the Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and there gathered around him such a large crowd of women, children, and men that he boarded a boat sitting there on the sea, while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he taught them much in parables. And then in his teaching he said to them, Listen up. Look, a sower went out to sow. And as the sower sowed, some fell on the path, and birds came and devoured. And the other fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, because it did not have deep soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered. And other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it produced no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and producing thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. Then Jesus said, let anyone with ears to hear listen. Now, when Jesus was alone, those women and men who were around him along with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the mystery of the majesty of God. But for those outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they look well but do not understand, listen well, but do not comprehend, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the rest of the parables? The sower sows the word. These are on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately with joy receive it. Yet they have no root in them and endure only for a while. Then when there is affliction or persecution on account of the word, immediately they stumble. And those sown among the thorns these are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it becomes fruitless. And these are sown on the good soil. They hear the word and receive it and bear fruit thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of the one holy and living God. Amen. Please. If you look to the southwest portico of the Jefferson Memorial, you read, We hold these truths to be self-evident, 
that all men are created equal. Turn around in the northeast portico and read, referring to slavery, I tremble for my country when I consider that God is just and his justice cannot sleep forever. To know the truth and to live less than, contra to the truth, the physical embodiment of contradiction we see in Thomas Jefferson in this nation. We see also, I'm sorry to say, in the church. Now, during this season of Epiphany at St. Columbus, we are engaging a womanist lectionary, Bible readings that center the experience of black women and all who are marginalized. The readings have been here all along, just omitted from our usual liturgical diet. And last week, after three Sundays in a row, hearing preachers who spoke truths from the margin into the center, from the pulpit, last Sunday a parishioner asked, I wonder, Ledley, what you might say. And it went without saying that her wondering was prompted by the self-evident fact that I cannot speak from the margin, any margin. I mean, if you want a model of the patriarchy, you're looking at him. Okay, I'm not tall, chisel-jawed, but white, male, straight, product of elite education, old guard, well-resourced, well-connected. This is holy work that we're up to, centering the voices and experience of the marginalized. Thought I, in the realm of God, there is room for us all. If I adopt a scarcity mentality of limited resources, then I might feel threatened. But if I dig a little deeper, embrace the abundance mentality evident through all of Jesus' ministry, I trust more for them doesn't mean less for me. It simply means more of us at the table of God's abundant love. This is the overarching ultimate end, God's abundant, lavishly abundant love, embracing, nourishing each and all. But, but that's not what the texts say today. No, that would be jumping all the way to the end. And we're not at the end. We're not at the end. We're here. We're in the midst of it. The struggle is real. People are dying, being killed. So, the texts today. Actually, these texts are included in our common lectionary, but our lectionary versions are edited. Isaiah chapter 6 magnificent, favorite, awesome passage of the call of the prophet Isaiah, cherubim and seraphim in attendance before the majesty of God, holy, 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 it doesn't get better than this. Here am I, send me. 
And that's where our reading usually stops, allowing us to envision the bold young prophet setting forth to proclaim the Word of God, which indeed Isaiah shall do. But to whom and to what end? Now read, to a people who cannot hear, cannot see, cannot comprehend, and thus cannot turn and be healed. It gets worse. You will preach destruction until Isaiah pleads, how long? Until cities lie waste, houses without people, the land utterly desolate, burned, until there is nothing left but the stump of a tree. God is doing this. Then, tantalizing, mysterious, the passage ends with, quote, the holy seed is its stump. We'll come back to this. Next, Jesus' parable of the sower. Jesus tells the crowds, and then he explains the parable to his disciples. The seed is God's love poured out, splashed about, and we, in the fullness of our lives, we are some kind of soil, hard pack, rocky, thorn-ridden, or rich, fertile, receptive. There's definitely a subversive political agenda here because Jesus is speaking to peasant farmers who in the Palestine of those days, like the peasant farmers of every age, are subject to an impossible, well-honed cycle of perpetual poverty, producing only enough to feed their family, pay off their master, and have just enough seed crop to do it again next year, if they're lucky. And here God's abundance promises a crop of 30, 60, 100-fold. That's enough to buy your freedom your independence. It's a direct threat to the structure. It takes note. But look, right in the middle of the story, the parable, the gospel, Mark inserts a paraphrase of those very lines we just heard in Isaiah. All four gospels do the same thing. And usually we leave that out because it makes the story a little long. Jesus was alone with some women, men, and the twelve, and he said to them, to you has been given the mystery of the majesty of God. But for those outside, they will look but not understand, listen but not comprehend, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. Again, there are some folks for whom God is not preparing a way. Now, scholars have opined that just as God sent Isaiah to proclaim a hard message that would not be well received, it led to the destruction of Jerusalem. Here, Jesus is preparing the disciples for a similar task. It's tough out there. And the gospel writers, compiling their texts some number of decades after Jesus' life, are similarly reassuring and emboldening their fledgling congregations. 
perhaps. Unity and abundance around the table may be the end game, but that is not what Jesus is doing today. Jesus is setting up outsiders and insiders. And among the insiders, there may be some real inner insiders, those who can hear the code switching, the meaning behind his words, the folks he's really talking to while he appears to be talking to everybody. The late great Professor Louis Crewe, who decades ago championed the full inclusion of gay, lesbian, trans, queer persons in the life of the Episcopal Church, was fond of quoting the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, said he, for they shall inherit the earth. And then he'd add with a twinkle, look out, the meek are getting ready. And that's what I read here. You remember how Mary sang, God has shown the strength of his arm, scattered the proud in their conceit, cast down the mighty from their thrones. Jesus reading in the temple at the start of his ministry, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor, to give sight to the blind, release to the captives. So this should not come as a surprise. Jesus is not colorblind, genderblind, or any kind of blind. Or maybe to some it should and does come as a surprise because what is God doing to some of us? Dulling our senses? So we will look and listen, but not comprehend. I remember when my cousin Katrina Brown first realized that we are descended from a family of slave traders over many decades. She said, the truth was right there, hidden in plain sight a truth our family opted to not comprehend. Not comprehending, we could not turn, could not be healed. This is a hard word. Given God's overarching abundance of lavish love, why does God do this. At the moment, beyond waking some of us up, I do not know. And since asking that question of why doesn't shed any light, I want to ask a different question. But I'm not sure what question to ask. Do you know? I'm not sure what to make of this. I'm feeling stumped. The holy seed is its stump. I think it will be good if I take a moment, or as long as it takes, 
to be quiet. I've been having my say. Now is the time. Well, it's beyond the time. It's late. But now is the time for me to listen and to tremble, tremble, tremble. For God is just, and God's justice cannot sleep forever. In that silence, some of you may need to join me. I'll leave it there. God have mercy. God have mercy upon us all.